Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. This episode of Healing from Emotional Abuse is brought to you by the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy. Have you ever wondered why you keep falling for the same type of person, wondering when it's going to be your turn to have control of your life? Now is the time. The Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, the three keys to overcoming narcissism, is an easy-to-follow program where I show you how to release your trauma in a safe and healthy way, build resilience, confidence, self-esteem, self-love, and self-worth, and then rebuild your environment. Surround yourself with healthy people and energy. Your life is yours, and the decisions you make should reflect the people in your life who deserve to be there. People who treat you with kindness and respect, who value you and show you that you are worthy of love every single day. Friends who love and support you and are positive and inspirational and a partner who encourages you to achieve your goals and think bigger than you've ever thought before. Following my three-step system will change your life. I fell into the cycle of abuse, dating narcissist after narcissist, each one of them taking a piece of me with them. And I struggled to know who I was or who I could trust for a long time but I learned all the right steps to take and want to help everyone else who's struggling like I did do the same. I don't want to lose any more survivors to suicide, addiction, or self-harm. There is help out there. So I'm offering my book, The Healing from Emotional Abuse Philosophy, The Three Keys to Overcoming Narcissism for free. Scan the QR code in the show notes to get your free copy of my best-selling book filled with exercises and activities to help you overcome your trauma. In addition to my book, I'm also offering a free coaching session where we'll put together a healing plan specifically for you. Make an appointment with me at schedulealcallwithmarissa.com. That's schedule, S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E, a call, C-A-L-L, with Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-S-A.com. It's time to take your life back and live with confidence, freedom, and peace. Welcome back to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast. I'm Marissa F. Cohen, your host, and it is May Mental Health Awareness Month. So we have on a special guest, Michelle Wild. She is a phenomenal survivor advocate who's going to talk to us a little bit about the aftermath of her experiences. So welcome on, Michelle. Thanks so much, Marissa. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on with you and also appreciate what you're doing to get the message out about survivors and how to heal. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a survivor of childhood sexual assault and also a marriage that involves some emotional abuse. So have some significant experience here, but I have gone on to do things like get master's degrees, build a six figure business, you know, some fun things like that, that show that uh, the trauma of our past doesn't have to dictate our future. 
I love that. And it's so true. You know, what happened to us doesn't define us and it can be used as fuel to push us forward. So thank you for sharing that. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what you've experienced? So the childhood sexual assault was over a span of a decade or more, lots and lots of people, you know, um, and, and various people, um, including the elementary school janitor. So, you know, lots of stuff that happened and the details are, you know, they're, they're tough for some people, excuse me, some people to listen to. So I don't want to necessarily trigger anybody with it, but the extent of the abuse was rather significant. And in the course of being a mental health counselor myself, I hear lots of people's stories. And I can tell you that what I experienced ranks among some of the most significant stories that I've ever heard people tell. Wow. Wow. And so how, how did that impact you as a child and as an adult? How did that impact your mental health? So it was really interesting. Once I got into my 20s, I realized that I had actually been depressed for what I considered to be my entire life because the sexual assault started when I was around four, maybe turning five. The details, of course, are a little fuzzy on the timing. Nevertheless, because it happened at such an early age, it formed my personality in part. And so that's sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And so what, uh, what I realized is that I had been severely depressed and I knew in high school that I had been suicidal, but hadn't done anything about it, um, had even had doctors tell my mother to take me to a mental health professional to get some assistance with it, but it, for various reasons, didn't happen. And so when I got into my 20s, I noticed that that's what was happening, um, but figured it was all due at that point to the marriage that I was in. And um, the abuse that was going on there. So I, you know, I worked with it, but couldn't really do much with it until I got myself out of the marriage and really began to heal. And that's when I realized the depth of the anxiety that was hiding underneath the depression and the PTSD. And of course, as a kid, I had no idea that that's what was happening. But the social impacts were tremendous. Like most survivors, it seemed like I was isolated, that I didn't really fit in with anybody because of the experiences that come with being involved in sexual assault. We simply know more than we should as five-year-olds. And so it sets us apart from other kindergartners. And it's hard to, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I had some of the, the typical signs of being overly intellectual um, and socially awkward. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it all makes sense. You know, you can't really relate to people your age because you've had experiences that are outside of that maturity age. So, I mean, it, that all makes sense. Not that I was doubting you, you know, Um so what, what have you tried outside of therapy? What have you tried that has helped you feel more um, 
confident that has helped you kind of battle your anxiety, your PTSD, and your depression? Has there been any resources that you've used or any techniques or tools that have really helped you? Yes. So here's where I found it to be really interesting is that even though the therapy that I went through at the time uh, was useful and I really appreciated it, it didn't get me out of the current symptoms. And so what I discovered for myself is that body oriented healing was the way to go for me. And as I've worked with it and developed it while working with other survivors, it seems to work for a lot of people. So what it involves is becoming deeply in touch with and in love with our bodies again, because it was the source of trauma and it's also the source of healing. So I did various things. Oddly enough, one of the things that I found to be the best was to become a massage therapist which is what I did. And the reason why that was so healing for me is it put me in a position to be in touch with other people's bodies in a way where I was the person in control and therefore it was safe. And that helped me become more in touch with my own self and to regain some trust in the world. And it has worked beautifully for me and is a foundation that and some of the other trainings that I've done, that's what has been really helpful to be able to combat some of the things that have gone on, you know, the fallout of PTSD, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. That's a really interesting perspective. I, I never thought about massage therapy as a way to heal yourself by practicing massage therapy as opposed to by receiving massage therapy. I think that's really unique. Um, and I'm really happy that you did something like that and that it really helped you. That's awesome. What, um, of course, what advice would you give to survivors who might be struggling with these mental health issues that aren't either, um, that aren't, you know, um, able to, let me rephrase the question. What piece of advice would you give to survivors who are struggling with mental health and with finding that confidence and that healing after abuse or sexual assault? So I would encourage people to get some really good professional help and some non-professional help. So certainly building resources like having a great group of family and friends and support people is key. But also getting a team of professionals of whatever healing variety works for you. I know therapy isn't the thing for everybody. And certainly I can't encourage everybody to go out and get a massage therapy license <laughs> as wonderful as I found it. But um, being able to bring in people who are coaches, maybe high school coaches, maybe a doctor who's willing to listen, whatever help is available. And then to become more in touch with the body in a really precise way, which is that we give loving attention to ourselves, to our bodies, and accept them for what they are and connect in a loving way. Because when we do, we start to address 
the problem at some of the levels that are deeper than just talk therapy. Talk therapy has its place and I'm not against it by any means. However, being able to really get in touch with self through things like yoga or running or dance in any of its forms or any kind of sports activities tend to help as a way to gradually ease into feeling the body and being in touch with it. Um, there are so many ways that trauma survivors end up reflecting the, the basis of the trauma that's still held in the body. And so being able to address that in a kind and loving way without expecting their experience to be like anybody else's experience, because they're very different. Uh, some people withdraw from the world and hide their emotions and hide the trauma. And other people are very expressive and end up um, expressing in ways that are loud and some people consider it to be disruptive. So there's no one specific path to healing in my estimation, but there are patterns. And so I think the trick here is to find the pattern that works for you. Everybody's story is a little bit different. Nobody has gone through exactly what you have. And although that can make us feel alone, know that by speaking out, you're inspiring others to do the same. Writing a book is what gave me my start on this journey. I decided that even though I didn't feel that my story was as awful as what others experienced, if I could help one other person process and heal from what they experienced, it was worth telling. And it did. I received a ton of support and private messages from people who felt inspired and empowered by me speaking my truth. If you have a story that you want to share, I would love to help you start this journey. The people who have endured, the people who have endured sexual assault and domestic violence all have the same notion. They just don't want anyone else to feel the way they did. We want to support everyone. Do yourself and our community a service and consider writing your story or contributing it to my Breaking Through the Silence series. Your words and your voice are powerful, and your story can help others heal from their abuse. If you're interested, please send me an email to me, M-E, at marissafaycohen.com, and I would be thrilled to work with you on breaking your silence. Thank you so much. I think of it as being physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually healing. And we get to address all four areas in order to really, truly heal in depth. And so the part that often gets left out is healing through the physical self. And that's where I found the most change in my own life to be. And so that's why I advocate for that currently. That's an interesting perception. So I, when I think of healing, I think of ways to release what you're holding on to and clear your head of all the noise and the negative self-talk and things like that. But I never really thought about the body holding on to, like physically holding on to 
the trauma and, you know, by exercising or being active, you're allowing yourself to release that for a a lot of reasons, right? Because you're starting to love your body again. Um, You're no longer objectifying yourself. What else? I mean, is there, is there more to that thought? Yes, there is. So um, think about how some people um, end up with symptoms, especially in the course of sexuality. So as a sex therapist and um, specializing in uh, trauma remediation, I work with sexuality a lot. And some survivors will find that certain positions are very triggering or that they have vaginismus, which would be painful sex. That's a result of the trauma itself, not a physical difficulty. And so there are tension patterns that are held in the body. And part of this comes from a very controversial person named Wilhelm Reich. And he talked about uh, body armoring and structural armoring of the body. And as a person who has worked with a lot of bodies as a massage therapist and somebody who's worked with a lot of minds as a licensed mental health counselor, I see the correlation here as I talk to people about it and as I help them release what's going on in their body. And so there are definitely some structural things that go on. There are some ways that we hold ourselves to help keep ourselves from feeling particular emotions, from remembering certain actions and being able to release those in a safe, productive way is transformational for most people. So as a sex therapist, I have a question for you. Um, I have been a part of many sexual assault survivor groups on Facebook and other social media. And something that I see really commonly talked about is the inability to orgasm from somebody who has experienced abuse. Now, is that something that is actually common or do I just have a very biased sample size? So it is common. Um, in the general population. But of course, our general population, we can very easily estimate that at least a third of women have experienced sexual assault. And some people estimate it as high as 80%. I don't know which it is, but that certainly skews the what we call normal experience of women in sexuality. And so being able to orgasm is a common experience in the general population. It is even higher among those women that I speak with who have a sexual assault background. And so it's a huge thing. And we, I can't say specifically why any one person has this difficulty. However, I can say in general that it's hard to orgasm if you're not really in touch with your genitalia. If you can't experience the pleasure because you've blocked it off, sometimes as a result of previous trauma and either because it felt really bad or conversely, because it felt really good and we wouldn't allow ourselves to experience that pleasure because it was bad. It was a violation and yet it felt good. So there can become a confusion in the mind which impacts our sexuality later in life. So I hope that's helpful. Maybe what you were looking for there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that I that I spoke to you because now I finally have clarity on that. People ask all the time if, you know, if that's something that's normal. And I always say absolutely because I've heard it so much, but now I understand why. So thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So tell us, Michelle, a little bit about what you do and how, you know, how you help survivors and then how people can get in touch with you. Okay. So I am a licensed mental health counselor, but I also have uh, an online course because as a licensed professional, I can only work with people who happen to be living in the states that I'm licensed in, which you probably aren't. There are lots of states and I'm only in one of them. So uh, I have a course that's specifically directed towards healing the trauma that's held in the body after childhood trauma. I also have for anybody who's interested, I have a Facebook group. It's free, open to the public, um, called Reclaiming Freedom from Trauma. Oh, excuse me, Reclaiming Freedom for Trauma Survivors. And anybody who has a history of trauma and is interested in learning about how to heal the body from it is welcome to join that group. We cover lots and lots of things. It's not always specific to the body, but it is really wonderful for trauma survivors. I also have a podcast, Holistic and Integrative Mental Health Podcast. That's my bent on things is that we can make a difference in the world through holistic and integrative modalities. That's one of my specialties. And then of course, my website, michellewwild.com. It leads you to all of the resources that I have. And I'd be happy to chat with people and see if there's some coaching that might be appropriate, or if one of my courses or the group is appropriate for any given person. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? You've answered all my questions. <laughs> Fantastic. I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to be on, to meet you, and to be able to share this with your audience, because I think it's such an important part of healing and growing to be able to include all four aspects of our being and really be able to move beyond this. I know from my experience and from the people that I've spoken to that trauma like this never quite leaves us 100% alone. But man, if we can get it down to 98, 99% healing, where it only pops up occasionally and with low intensity, what a difference it makes in life. At least that's the difference that it's made for me. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I agree. If we could create a world where, you know, only very occasionally this stuff pops back up. I think that that's incredible. And if you found a way to do that, then I am, I'm on board. So thank you so much for being here, Michelle. And I was so, I'm so honored to have you on the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast, and um, I'm sure we'll have you back on again soon. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Marissa. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast today. Before you go, it's important that you know that what you're feeling is normal. Everyone responds to trauma, narcissism, and abuse differently. Our brains go into survival mode to protect us from harm. 
But I want to make sure you know that you're not alone. I'm here, and I want to brainstorm ways that I can help ease your healing journey. Imagine you're standing on a cliff, and on the other side of a deep canyon is the life that you dream of. A partner who connects with you, supports you, and empowers you, and makes you laugh and smile. A life filled with freedom, confidence, and peace. Good friendships, strong relationships. I've been where you are now. I've been standing on that edge, dreaming of the life that I have now. And I built the bridge between where you are and that dream that seems unreachable. I've walked this path with thousands of survivors who live a free, confident, and peaceful life now. Let's walk this path together. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.